Welcome to Christian Assembly, a family church. Since 1930, we've been serving the communities of Western Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia with the good news of Jesus Christ. With over 40 years of Bible teaching and ministry experience, Pastor Bill brings faith-filled revelation from God's Word. We believe with you, wherever you are, that God will inspire and change your life through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly, follow us on social media or visit our website at cafamily.net. We're talking about the power of God. This is lesson two, entitled The Power of God. Before I give you a quick review here, ever since the fall of man, man has had a, request, has a quest for power, wanting to experience power in his life. As a matter of fact, his desire and request for, or quest I should say, for power gave birth to Popeye, the sailor man. You didn't know that? That's why he had his spinach. So his bicep can be enlarged by feeding on the spinach that he had. Now, I'm dating myself because some of you today are looking at me like, what are you talking about? Who's Popeye the Sailor Man? Well, we know Superman. We know Batman. Then, of course, we got into a gender you know, problem here. So we got Wonder Woman. Right? And the list goes on and on and on. <laughs> about these figures and why do they exist because of man's quest for power to walk in this power think about what Superman we thought was able to do leap a tall building at a single bound right and so on well anyhow I believe that um, there is a power that we have that transcends all other powers in the universe and it's not fictitious it's a reality. You know, back in ancient times, uh, even the Egyptians and some of these others that worshipped false gods and all that, they had a quest for power. And you know what they wanted? They wanted power that came from some of the others, let's say, that they followed. If one was a mighty warrior, they felt that if they ate his flesh or drank his blood, then that would be imparted to them as well. Uh, also, we realized that there were some that worshipped, for example, animals, like the, the lion. If we could just eat the flesh or drink the blood of a lion, then you would be bold like a lion or have the boldness of a lion, the courage of a lion, and so on and so forth. So, man is out there trying to find something that would give him the power to bring satisfaction into his life. But you know what? It's all to no avail. Because except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, praise God, Jesus said, you have no life whatsoever. All that they tried to do, all that they wanted to do, all that they wanted to achieve, you and I have because we sit at the table of our Lord who said His blood has given us all the power that we need. There was a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. Sinners plunged beneath the flood lose all their guilty stains. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood. In the name above every other name, the name of Jesus, there is power to save a sin-sick soul, heal the sick, set the captives free. Oh, thank God for the blood of the Lamb, thank God for the name of Jesus, and thank God for the Holy Ghost and power. Praise God. That's what church should be all about. Amen? Quick review. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 22 and verse 29, when the Sadducees came to Jesus, and questioning him, interrogating him, I should say, about the resurrection, Jesus said, you are mistaken 
you are in error because you don't know two things, the Word of God and the power of God. And if you knew the Word of God and you knew the power of God, then you would believe in the resurrection because that's nothing compared to the power of God. Secondly, we talked about in 1 Corinthians 1.18 that if you believe the gospel, to those that perish, it is foolishness. It's moronic is the word that's actually used there. It's the Greek word moriah, and it means moronic. We get moronic from that. In other words, if you believe in the simple message of the gospel, you're idiotic. It's stupidity. You're moronic. Well, you know what? To those that believe... It is the power of God that saves, that heals, that transforms, that delivers, that protects, that liberates. And we can go on and on. Thank God that we embrace the simplicity of the gospel of Christ. And then we went on to talk about how Paul said, he was a very educated man. He said, when I came to you, my preaching... And my teaching was not with words of men's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Why? That your faith would stand not in the wisdom of men, but in the power of the dunamis, the miracle-working power of God. Is God all-powerful? Yes. The Scripture teaches us that He is what? Omniscient, which means He's all-knowing. He's omnipresent, which means He's everywhere. But also we are told that He is what? Omnipotent. Omni meaning, it's a, two, it's a compound word, omni meaning all-encompassing, all-encompassing, potent meaning he is all-powerful, so his presence, his power is all-encompassing. In other words, there isn't anything in the universe that can run from his power. He is all-power. Psalm 62 and verse 11 tells us, all power is of God, of Jehovah. All that we see in the universe in Romans 1.20 was created by His power. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3 tells us that it's upheld, maintained, sustained. How? By the word of His power. The spoken word brought the world into being. The spoken word upholds everything that is. The power of words is something that we need to educate ourselves on so that we recognize the fact that only human beings have been given the right to tap into that power because only we speak words. Animals don't speak words. They may bark and meow. And the list goes on and on. But only we human beings have the right to speak words. And Jesus said, if you believed in your heart, what you said with your mouth will come to pass. You see that mountain right there? Speak to it. It will obey you. And nothing will be impossible to you. You believe all things are possible with God? But he said nothing will be impossible to you. If what? If you believe two things. From your heart, that what you say with your mouth will come to pass. And that your words are containers of life or death. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. So what kind of fruit are we eating? What kind of meal are we making for ourselves? The words that we speak will basically define the rest of our lives. If we want victory, we've got to speak victory. If we want success, we've got to speak success. If we want to overcome, we've got to speak like an overcomer. Can you say amen? amen? For he shall have, Jesus said, whatever he says. 
So Paul says, I'm not preaching and teaching you with words that impress you, that wow you, so that you can see how educated I am. But I'm speaking to you of the gospel of Christ. And him alone do I want to speak of him crucified. Why? Because that's the power of God. The power of God to him that believes, whether you're a Jew or whether you're a Greek, the gospel is the power of God that heals, that saves, heals, delivers, and so on. Then we talked about in 2 Timothy, and this is the sad scenario part of it, chapter 3 and verse 5 that says the time would come when people would have a form of godliness, but they would deny the power thereof. And you know what? It puzzles me how many fit that statement right there in our society today. Oh, you could talk about being religious and coming together and that sort of thing. But you start talking about the power of God that fell on the day of Pentecost. And people spoke with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. You talk about laying hands on the sick that they could recover and some fall under the power of God. And all of a sudden, you're tagged as what? Some lunatic. Some extreme individual. Why is that today? Because we've not promoted in the church the power of God. God is all-powerful. His power is all-encompassing. And He wants us to be vessels that are yielded to His Spirit so that His power can flow in us and also through us to touch the hearts and lives of people. And also to impact and empower our words that we speak. Thank God that we could put together messages, but if they're not empowered by the Spirit of Almighty God, you know what? They won't accomplish anything. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, notice it says this. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, you shall receive an instruction manual after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. It doesn't say that? Not an instruction manual? What are you going to receive after that the Holy Ghost has come on you? What is it? That's dunamis, miracle working power, force, might, mighty power. As a matter of fact, if you go through the scriptures, you'll find out this. God's power is described in various ways throughout the scriptures. Why? Because you can't really describe it. It's beyond description. Think about the fact that he spoke and the whole universe has come into manifestation. And then think about the fact that the waters of the mighty oceans do not cross over the border of the sand along the seashore because a perpetual decree was proclaimed by the Creator and they can't pass over. Explain that. Scriptures tell us that His power is glorious. His power is awesome. His power is mighty. And it just goes on and on. It describes this in such a way because... You can't explain it. There aren't adjectives that you could use to really give it what it needs. So he just says he's awesome in power. Glorious in power. The greatness of his power. The vast reaches of his power. The magnitude of his power. It transcends all other powers. So if these hungry hearts were legitimate and they really wanted to have power, why would you want to drink the blood of a lion to get it? When you can drink the blood of the lion of Judah and get it. You're just going to the wrong lion. You realize that. Why eat the flesh of an animal 
when you eat the flesh of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Now, you know he's talking figuratively. But praise God, his word is what we feed on. His blood, praise God, cleanses our sin-sick souls and makes us righteous before his throne. Now, as we uh, continue our study, look in the book of Acts chapter 4. God hasn't given us the spirit of fear, but what? Power. Let's, let's, just, let's just camp on that for a second. He hasn't given us a spirit of fear and intimidation, but of power. Power. He's given us. You can't have it if he didn't get it. We acknowledge it because he gave it to us. He wants us to say it. You've given me power. I'm not afraid because I have the spirit of power, love and of a sound mind. I've got the power of God. In Acts chapter 4. There are many things that confront us in life that we can fall victim to if we allow it. But look at what it says. So they called Peter and John in again and told them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, you decide what God would want. Should we obey you or God? We cannot keep quiet. We must speak about what we have seen and heard. The leaders warned the apostles again and let them go free. They could not find a way to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had been done. The man who received the miracle of healing was more than 40 years old. After Peter and John left the meeting of leaders, they went to their own group and told, told them everything the leading priests and the elders had said to them. When the believers heard this, they prayed to God together, Lord you are the one who made the sky, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. Stop just for one second there. Why did they go there? To make God look bigger than their problem. You made the sky, the earth, and the sea. In other words, you brought the whole universe into being. What in your creation then is greater than you? Nothing. So, you made all the sky earth and sea. By the Holy Spirit to the, your, our father David, your servant, you said, why are the nations so angry? Why are the people making useless plans? The kings of the earth prepared to fight and their leaders make plans together against the Lord and his Christ. These things really happened when Herod, Pontius Pilate, and the Jews and non-Jews all came together against Jesus here in Jerusalem. Jesus is your holy servant, the one you made to be the Christ. These people made your plan happen because of your power and your will. Now, Lord, listen to their threats. Lord, help us, your servants, to speak your word without fear. Show us your power to heal, give proofs, and make miracles happen by the power of Jesus, your holy servant. After they had prayed, the place where they were meeting became a hush. Nobody would dare move. They wanted to offend the person next to them. They looked around to see what people were wearing. One asked if their roast was in the oven yet. And the other one said, I've got a pot of sauce on for spaghetti. I hope he doesn't go too long so it gets burnt.
No, the place was shaken. Everybody say shaken. Shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke God's word without fear. The group of believers reunited in their hearts and spirit. All those in the group acted as though their private property belonged to everyone in the group. In fact, they shared everything. With great power, the apostles were telling people that the Lord Jesus was truly raised from the dead and God blessed all the believers very much. Talk about a mouthful. King James, that's a little bit different. Uh, but the whole point here is that they prayed. The place was shaken. They were filled with the Holy Ghost. And what did they speak? The Word of God with boldness. And when they did, with great power, gave they witness to the resurrection of Jesus and great grace was upon each and every one of them. The early church exalted the power of God above religious form. Remember on the day of Pentecost, the religious form of Pentecost was taking place. Was it not? But did the Holy Ghost fall there in that place? Absolutely not. He found an upper room where 120 hungry hearts were longing for God. Where they said, I'm done with religious tradition. I'm done with the traditions of men. I'm done with mediocrity. I'm done with just walking through this life not knowing where I'm going, not knowing what I'm doing. I want to know the living God. And I understand that the living God raised His Son from the dead with this display of awesome power that the world's never seen before. And so I want to sit in this upper room with these other 120 and wait for the power that Jesus talked about on that day when He comes on Pentecost. Mary, the mother of Jesus, was there. People don't know she was a Pentecostal. But she was. Right? And suddenly, there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind filled all the house where they were sitting. There appeared cloven tongues like as a fire that sat upon each and every one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and spake with other tongues. Why are we trying to change what God did on the day of Pentecost? And they spoke with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them utterance. This is a display of the awesome power of God in the life of a human that when the Holy Ghost comes into that spirit that's been born again and fills them, they're filled with God to the point of expression. What expression? They couldn't contain it any longer. You know, if you hit your fingernail, your thumbnail with a hammer, which is the wrong nail, by the way, don't hit it. And there's, where does it finally end up coming out of? <laughs> David said, I said, you could read this in the Psalms. I said, I would hold my peace. I would hold my tongue. And so I held my tongue and it was musing within me. And then I spoke with my mouth and it was all over. Where does it come out of? Your mouth. When you and I get filled with Holy Ghost power and fire, it's going to come out of your mouth and it's going to be a new language. 
Isn't that okay? Can't God do a new thing? Someone says, God's going to do a new thing. He did a new thing. Nobody wants to believe the new thing that he did back then. Right? Are you still with me? On the day of Pentecost, he came into them with power that was released through their speaking and they spoke with other tongues. You know what? If we yielded these mouths of ours, these tongues of ours to two things, number one, the word, and number two, the Holy Ghost, we'd be transformed individuals. We'd be considered crazy, but we'd still be transformed individuals. And then we fast forward to Acts chapter 10, right? Now remember, this is the Jewish camp over here. And the Holy Ghost came in power and filled them and they spoke with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them utterance. And these are Jews. Now we come over to Acts chapter 10. This is the house of Cornelius. He is the centurion of the Italian band. Right? He's a devout man who prays to God always and gives alms and fasts. But he's not saved. That's pretty good for an unsaved man, isn't it? And what does he do? He sends for Peter to come... Talk to them. Peter comes down. He begins to share the gospel with them. And while he is sharing the gospel with these Gentiles who he thinks he's not supposed to go to, in their house, the Holy Ghost falls as on the day of Pentecost. And they're all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spoke with other tongues and prophesied. So now we got the Gentile camp. And there's only two camps, the Jews and the Gentile. And when they got filled with the Holy Ghost and power and fire, where did it come out of? Their mouths. And what did they do? They spoke with other tongues. Who are we to change what God started? And some years later say, well, that's not for us today. Well, God hasn't changed. Man has changed. But that's not my tradition. I know that. But it's God's word. Jesus said in Mark 16, 15, you could read through 20, one of the signs was they will speak with new tongues. So, here we have the manifestation of the power of God available to every child of God who desires power. But what do they do? Shy away from it. Why? Well, it might be of the devil. It's not of the devil. The devil never going to give you something like that. The point I just want to make, it's available to every child of God. Are we availing ourselves to it? Because when you pray in other tongues in the Holy Ghost, you generate miracle working power beyond human scope that will enable you to live for God, serve God, lay hands on the sick that they can recover, demonstrate the power of God to other people, which is exactly what Paul said he was doing. This power is not just for yourself. It's for you to be a conduit in the earth for God to manifest His glorious power through you to somebody else. And it is powerful. In Acts chapter 4, look at this. First four verses. As they spoke to the people, the priest and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees. What do we talk about the Sadducees? This is a sect of people. These religious leaders and political you know, roles that they played and all that. They didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead at all. And they tried to trick Jesus to find out who was going to be the this woman's going to be the wife of how many seven brothers that she had when she was here on the earth. And he says, you're not talking to me about who's going to be the wife or who the, who's going to be the husband. You're talking about whether or not I believe in the resurrection of the dead. And you err because you don't know the scriptures or the power of God. And so the Sadducees, they come upon them. Notice this, they come upon them being grieved that they taught the people. Well, what did they teach? 
and preach through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Do you realize how powerful that preaching and teaching is? The resurrection of the dead. If God can raise the dead, he can heal my mole. If God can take a body that's been decayed or starting to decay in Lazarus, he can fix my toe. He's trying to communicate something so important to us that sometimes we just overlook. And what's that? He's a lot bigger than the problems we encounter on earth. He's bigger than the mountains that we face. And he wants our faith to soar, to rise up to a place that we exalt him above the problem. And so they laid hands on them and put them in hold until the next day, for it was about even time. Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, and now notice, and the number of the men was about 5,000. Why does it say men? To let you know that it's just the men that they counted. That means there could have been even 10,000 there or even more if you consider women and children. But also it gives us an understanding that this is how God set the stage for true evangelism. That he would appear, he would demonstrate his power, he would show himself strong, and what would happen, people would respond and they would get saved. As a matter of fact, you go back then, you talk about a hard crowd. Be in Jerusalem with all the Jewish people on the day of Pentecost and have someone stand there and preach to you like Peter did and say, oh, by the way, all of you people, I want you to know something. You crucified him. You put him to death. You conspired against him. You arrested him. You beat him. And the list goes on and on of all the things. But God raised him from the dead of which we are witnesses. We saw it with our eyes. We heard him speak to us. We handled him with our hands. You could say what you want. You could kill us if you want. The resurrection is true. It's real. You can be lied to all you want. Those soldiers, they ran in fear after they came out from under the power of God. And, and they were raised up. They saw the stone rolled away. They knew it was impossible for these two little women, unless they were really bodybuilders, to take a 4,000 pound stone and just toss it aside. They knew that it wasn't that. They knew he was raised from the dead and they could not fight God. So they ran in fear to make up a story so that people might believe the lie, which is what the devil does. Why? To squash the power of God. Beloved, there's only one thing to save a sin-sick soul, and that is the blood of Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit who comes into the heart of a person and says, I will recreate you and give you a brand new heart. Change your life forever. Miracles start on the inside of us. Healing starts on the inside of us. Deliverance starts on the inside of us. If you know the story of um, T.L. Osborne, T.L. Osborne was a tremendous evangelist and missionary and went to 70-some countries during his lifetime on this planet. And I had the pleasure and privilege of sitting under his ministry when I was at school at Rainbow Mama Training Center. And he had that big old beard before the beards was all famous. But that was T.L. Osborne. He said, some woman came up to him one time in a meeting here in the, in the States and said to him, well, I want to come and be healed because of the faith of others. Now, don't you believe that I can be healed because of the faith of others? He said, absolutely. 
you can be healed because of the faith of others. Yeah, you can come up here. Someone can have, a, a, let's say, a ministry gift and you can be healed. Someone can pray for you and you can be healed. He said, but if you want to live in victory, you got to build your own life of faith because you can't live that way forever. And this is a man that, that saw multitudes healed, the deaf, the blind, the dumb, the ma I mean, He saw multitudes healed as he traveled throughout the different countries by the power of God. Really, it was the power of God's love and compassion, which is what he stood for. God wants us to develop faith in his power. Right. Ask ourselves the question, do I believe that my God is bigger than that? Do I believe that he's greater than that? Do I believe he's more powerful than that? More influential than that? God wants our faith to be in his power that raised up Jesus from the dead. And our attention and our focus should be on what? The power of the resurrection. So, yes, he can heal us. He can deliver us. Now, what the church needs today is a refreshing of this power. Look in Acts chapter 4 and verse 31. How come I'm supposed to close right now, but I just began? <laughs> All right, well, let's do this. Real quick. When they had prayed, there's three things I want you to see here. The place was shaken where they were assembled together. Can, you know how your phone vibrates sometimes? Matter of fact, your phone might be vibrating right now. You got it in your pocket, it's vibrating and you know it. Right? Well, when they prayed, there was a great vibration going on. The place was shaken where they were assembled together. But number one is prayer. So everybody say prayed. They prayed. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and spake the word of God with boldness. That's number one. Go on to the next verse. Verse 32. And then, and the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own, but they all had all things common. Here we see passion, number two. Prayer passion. Let's read the next verse. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them. Notice that they gave witness, proclamation. You've got prayer number one. Number two, you've got passion. Number three, you've got proclamation. Those are the three things we see here in these scriptures that will get us to the place that God wants us to be. Jesus said, my house will be a house of prayer. Purity, prayer, power, perfected praise in Matthew 21. That's my house. Not religious traditions, not traditions of men, not men's doctrines or whatever, but power. Purity, where hearts are pure. Where people walk in harmony with the will of God and the holiness of God. And they manifest the holiness of God as they are sanctified by the Spirit through the Word to walk with God in the high places. Where they are too passionate. They're prayerful people, but they're passionate people. Passionate about what? Did you notice the passion that was manifested right there? They were passionate about one another. They were passionate about people. They wanted everything to be equal. They sold all that they possessed. They gave to one another. Why? So that they could all have all things the same, all things equal. They were passionate about this. They were passionate about people. They were passionate about the lost because it goes into the next part where they were 
those that proclaimed. What did they proclaim? They witnessed the resurrection of Jesus. And listen to this. And great power and great grace was upon them. What's the path to great power? What's the path to great grace to being upon us? Prayer, passion, and proclamation. Say with me, prayer, passion, and proclamation. We come together as a praying church. And we believe, praise God, that without Him we cannot do anything. And so we need His involvement. We need His presence. We need His power. We need His glory manifested among us. And we will not take no for an answer. We will not be satisfied with anything less. Human lives are at stake because you know why? Many need the power of God. Otherwise, they're going to leave this realm of life without His healing virtues manifested in their lives. And we know that. We face that all the time, every single day. People got to come together, pray, and pray collectively corporately, individually, when people truly pray by God's design the way He wants us to pray, there will be a manifestation of God's power. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. When we get passionate about one another, what do I mean by that? You really care for one another. You consider one another. You're concerned about one another. Your heart is, it's just exploding with love for someone else and one another. When we have that, there's unity among the people. There's a drawing together among the people. You see what they were like? Look, they were attacked by the Jewish camp because they came out from among them. And when they were baptized in water and they gave their hearts to Jesus and they identified with Christianity, you know what happened? Their own family members turned them over to be killed. So look at what they did. They band together. They broke bread with one another. They ate with one another. They fellowship with one another. They study the word together. They worship God together. They praised God for each other. And each one was valuable and precious in their sight. You want to know why Ananias and Sapphira checked out early? Because they tried to break that up. They yielded to the devil to bring division among them, lying and cheating and stealing and all that sort of thing. And it just put a, it could have squashed the move of God. But they fell over dead before, the, before Peter and the other apostles and other people in the church. And there was great fear and reverence for God as a result of that. Can you imagine if those kind of services were held today? All oh, liars come up here and repent. Or You die. Sorry. <laughs> Think about it. I think that would set some things straight. Uh, someone once told me that the politicians are so quick. quick never, I better not go there. <laughs> Unless you want me to finish it. <laughs> no, okay. We won't go there. God's speaking to our hearts today. You could try this, that, any other thing. And you know what? You're going to come up empty. Thank God for the, advance, the advancements we have in the medical field. But you know what? I guarantee you, you're still going to come up empty. Because you're dealing with imperfect humanity. Man can only do so much. We need to have faith in the power that raised Jesus from the dead. We've got to pray about it. Passionate, be passionate for it. David said, 
I long for you as in a dry and thirsty land where no water is to see your power and your glory as I've seen you in the sanctuary because your loving kindness is better than the life. Therefore, I'll praise you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. I want you and you alone. I've seen you move. I've seen you work. I want you every day in my life. Passionate about it. And thirdly, proclaim it. Witness. Tell others about it. The God that we serve is a great and mighty God. There is no God like him. These other gods have eyes they don't see. They have ears they don't hear. They have hands they don't reach out to anybody. But the God that we serve, praise God, like a Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who is the God that will deliver you out of my hands? We're not even concerned about answering you, O king, because the God that we serve, he can and he will deliver us out of your hand. Fire up the furnace even more. Go ahead and make it as hot as you want because God loves a challenge. Would it matter if it was 2,000 degrees or 3,000 degrees? I think the human body is going to disintegrate when that fire hits them. But they just walked in nonchalantly, all tied up, but the ropes got burned off because there was somebody in that furnace with them. And guess who it was? The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who said, when you go to the fire, I'll be with you. What good company to keep. Amen. You about ready for meetings like meetings of prayer, passion, and proclamation? Amen. Let's all stand together.